And welcome again. I am Robert Barham. This is American Dream Time. And today we have a topic and a guest that is near and dear to my heart. And that is the topic, the subject of hypnosis. And for that, I have asked my friend Tommy V to show up. Tommy V, a, an, an exceptionally gifted and experienced hypnotist and hypnotherapist. Tommy, how are you? Wonderful, Robert. Wonderful. And uh, Do me thank a- you for having me. It's great to be here. I'm up in New Hampshire right now. Enjoying the day? Beautiful day. We've, uh, it's been uh, close to 90 degrees for a couple of days. So after wintertime, it's, it's nice to enjoy the warmth. I love it. I love it. Very good. Tommy, uh, do me a small favor. Do our listeners a small favor, if you will. And um, tell me a bit about you and um, hypnosis so that we can let our listeners dive in. Okay. Awesome. I'll give them the Reader's Digest version. Um, I've been at this in the hypnosis business. I'm full time. That's what I do uh, for over 30 years now. And that's a little scary. Um, I didn't get into it till I was 30 years old. My father is Jerry Valley, who's pretty well known amongst stage hypnotists and a pioneer in that in that field. Um, So I've always been exposed to it. And my father's partner was uh, was Orman McGill, who I also trained with and, and taught with. So I have quite a bit of experience and a lot of uh, fun times with people that are in the business. And then we went on to train people. We've uh, formed the Ultimate Stage Hypnosis Seminar, which has been in existence for 15 years or so, and uh, put out, uh, trained many, many people. I also do clinical hypnosis. So there's a lot of people out there that do one or the other, but I've done both most of my life and successfully too. So I have an office uh, nearby where I help people make personal changes. And then at night I go out and do shows. Um, I have a lot of good stories, uh, a handful of good stories about clinical hypnosis and, um, and also on stage hypnosis too. So I can't wait to get into that. Um, but something exciting, um, I didn't want to go on stage when I was getting into hypnosis. My dad's a hypnotist again, and I was unemployed. At the time, my major is hotel and restaurant management. So that's my background. No kidding. So I was unemployed and dad said, why don't you become a hypnotist? And I said, I don't know. Now I saw my father do both clinical and stage since I was 12. And now in fact, he helped, he helped me. How old are you at the time? At what time? When this is, when this is happening. Uh, when he suggested that I become a hypnotist, I was 30. Okay. But I saw my father do it since I was 12. In fact, he helped me get higher grades, I think, in the eighth grade in history with, with a form of hypnosis, so which, which was nice. So back, I got exposed to it, but I never had any interest. I went off to college and did the hotel thing, and then I found myself unemployed, and Dad suggested hypnosis. So here I am, and I said, well, I don't want to go on stage because I'm too shy for that, and that's how I feel. I'm a little kind of shy. So I'll learn clinical. So I went and got certified by the National Guild of Hypnotists, came back and trained with my dad. I sat in the back of the room and observed. And then what's interesting is this is how I got into stage. He had a show locally and said, why don't you come down as my guest? I'll do the induction. I'll do the show. You can come out and do a few things to get your feet wet. So I said, okay. So he already hypnotized everybody. He brought me out on stage and gave me the 
control, if you will, or pass the torch on to me. Basically, what he said to the volunteers was, uh, you will follow the instructions of Tommy V, who you're about wow. to hear. Really? That's it. So I did. I made the belly button disappear, a few experiments, and then I went home and got my feet wet, and the rest is history. I started mailing out brochures and, and flyers and things like that. That is so, a wonderful story. So your father, he called you up on stage, and your father basically passed the hypnotist power on to you through post-hypnotic suggestion with the with the uh, committee and the audience. Right, exactly, and which is a simple thing to do. And there really is no power, and I make a joke out of that, you know, and you know that too. Uh, but yeah, he told them they were already in hypnosis; they were already doing things. So he simply said, "Listen to Tommy and do what he what he tells you to do." So then I sent out some flyers, one page flyer that had my picture and a paragraph. Tommy's doing shows, this and that, and at the bottom it had these words: it said television, nightclubs, supper clubs universities, corporations, fairs. I hadn't done any of those, Robert, yet at that point. It didn't say that I did, but it, it implied that. So I started sending these things out and, and the phone started ringing and, um, and the rest is history. So since then, I've been doing stage hypnosis and clinical hypnosis. Wow. Yeah, I remember uh, now um, to... Uh be candid and, uh, and uh, transparent. I remember going to uh, my first headline stage hypnosis gig or preparing for it. And uh, I prepared for it um, by actually going to your seminar with uh, your father was there and I believe you were probably there. And this one was held in Las Vegas. And uh, I guess uh, maybe a year, maybe somewhere around there, a year before that, I'd gone to... Um, a training institute for hypnotherapy. Uh, I was living in San Francisco at the time. I had a wonderful time at the at that uh, stage hypnosis seminar. Those were good days. You must have Orman McGill must have been there. Yeah, Orman McGill is uh, he's another remarkable person. I'd heard he was legendary and there and and for good reason. But uh, I remember that I almost called in sick. That's how nervous I was. <laughs> I'd actually flown to the gig. I was at the hotel. I was rehearsing the uh, the bits, the the stage routines, and um, and I got to this moment. I was even down to like ironing my shirt, and uh, and I literally picked up the phone and was sitting there thinking, "I'm gonna, I'm just gonna call in sick. I can't do this. I can't do this." I did a little uh, NLP on myself, reframed it, a few other things and uh, showed up at the club and had a fantastic time. It was a wonderful first experience. The guy who was the club booker and part owner there was a good guy and very supportive. So, so the show went well, your first show went well. Yeah, it went really well. In fact, we had, we had a committee on stage of about, uh, let's see, there were, it started out with at least a dozen people. And nice. We got down to eight, so it was a pretty solid committee. And right. a fantastic. That's good. And, uh, and then you probably said to yourself after that show, why did I worry so much? <laughs> you know, a lot of the shows, a lot of them are easy. There are some where you struggle, smaller audiences where you work hard, but most of them are easy. And I make a joke out of it. I say, sometimes I'm a little, I'm, an, I'm embarrassed to take the check, but not that embarrassed. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> you know, they're pretty easy, you know, and the bigger the audience, the, the better the show is. And, and I want everybody to remember this. Stage hypnosis is easier than clinical hypnosis if you look at it this way. You might be saying, how could you, how could it be easier? Well, in clinical, you have one person that walks into the, your room to stop smoking or nail biting or something like that. You have to work with one person. They could be a great subject or anywhere in between. On stage, we have, like you said, 10, 12, 15, 20 people. We have the luxury of selection. So we can pick and choose and get rid of the deadwood, as I call it. So you start with a bigger group and you end up with the cream of the crop. So it is a little easier than clinical if you look at it that way because you have a group. Yeah. Now, what I would like for you to do is there are a lot of maybe misconceptions or incomplete understandings of the actual term and the concept and the experience of hypnosis and hypnotherapy. So how about if you share your take, your definition of hypnosis and or hypnotherapy with us? Okay, sure. That's, that's a good point because uh, there are a lot of misconceptions out there and you need to explain a lot of times these misconceptions to your client in the office or sometimes to your group if you're doing a show. Um, I like to call hypnosis kind of like controlled daydreaming. You're not asleep. You're not unconscious. It's like sleep, but you're not asleep. In fact, it's a heightened state of awareness. You are more aware of yourself and your surroundings when you're in hypnosis than the waking state. It's a heightened state of awareness. So you're not asleep, although people that are hypnotized look like this, leaving their slumped over, or their eyes are closed. They're not sleeping. Misconceptions. People ask these funny questions. They say, what if I go into hypnosis and I don't wake up? Now, if you want to make a joke, you can say tough. But, you know, the truth of the matter is it can't happen. It never has and never will. You cannot get stuck in hypnosis. End of story. Even if something happens to me or the hypnotist, while you're deep in hypnosis, say the hypnotist leaves or something happens to them medically, you would come out of it all by yourself in about a minute. Another question, what if I reveal my secrets? People ask that. You know, even if the hypnotist asks you something personal, no matter how deeply you are, you decide whether you want to answer or not. So you're always in control. And sometimes we work with people who are control people. They like to have control. And you need to explain to them that that's fine. You keep the control. You see, you're the engine of the car. I'm the steering wheel. I guide you through it. So control is fine. You can hypnotize people that have control or that want to have all the control. Um, what if I don't wake up? Uh, what if I reveal my secrets? Uh, you know, those are the basic misconceptions. Hypnosis is not people faking it. It's a real phenomenon. Oh. It's a real experience. It really is something. And it is something that, in a sense, we, we all have an experience of in our own life. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Like, oh, as humans, we go in and out of it all day. Absolutely, Robert. And, you know, daydreaming is a form of hypnosis. When someone gets glued to a television set, like during a football game or something exciting like a movie, they get engrossed. That's hypnosis. And another example is, I do this a lot, daydreaming while you're driving your car, usually on the highway. So you're going down the highway and you get preoccupied consciously with another thought. 
I got to pick up the kids. I got to get to work. And while you're thinking about something else, you drive right past your exit. That's road hypnosis. Then all of a sudden you realize what happened. Well, you get to your, your destination and you don't remember the last 10 minutes. You're like, did I stop at the light back there? So as humans, we go in and out of it all day and we go through it on the way to sleep and we go through it in the morning and many times during the day. So you're right. We, we have everybody that's listening to this and everybody in the world has been hypnotized, even if you've never been to a show or never been to a clinical hypnotist. We've all been in and out of it. So the hypnotist is simply guiding you through it. I mean, the we do all ex- yeah, hypnosis is, is a natural gift. It's a natural ability that all of us possess. Now, right. what's the kind of stuff in clinical hypnosis what are some of the things that can actually be done? I mean, uh, you know, you and I have talked a little bit, but um, <clears throat> tell me, if you will, just a, an example or two of the kinds of things that have happened with your clients uh, sure. in a clinical hypnosis context. You know, hypnotherapists are using hypnosis to, uh, in all areas, all sorts of areas, past lives, painless childbirth, painless dentistry. Weight loss, of course, stop smoking. Those are the popular ones. Uh, stress reduction, better sleep, nail biting, passing exams. I do that a lot. There's a law school right down the road, and some of the professors send their students to us, to me, because passing the bar, sometimes people take it two, three, even four and five times. Um, I have state troopers come in that are going for exams, firefighters, teachers, all walks of life. And, and the deal with, with test taking is test anxiety. We've all had it. I'm sure you have back in school. Uh-huh. Um, how many times have we, you walk out of the room and you get in the hallway and it's over and you go, oh, now I remember. Right, right. It was in there, but you couldn't get it out. So we teach people how to be relaxed and to look at the exam as an opportunity, not a problem. A lot of people are nervous. They think, oh, God, i got to take this. That's a, a problem. No, it's an opportunity if you're prepared. Um, nail biting. I do that a lot. Um, painless childbirth I haven't really gotten into. Uh, past lives a little bit. Um, past, life, past life regression work? Past life regressions, yes. That's a whole other field that a lot of people have interest in. And they use hypnosis as, as a tool to get into that. To, to investigate past lives. Uh-huh. Pretty fascinating. A um, couple other things I've done. Unique things, if you'd like to hear about them. Yeah, love uh, <laughs> um, I had a woman call up and say, I, re- I misplaced $30,000 worth of jewelry in my house. It's my mother's. She went into the hospital. I put it together, wrapped it up in paper towel, and hid it somewhere for, to, ha- to keep it safe, and now I can't find it. I looked everywhere for it. Can you use hypnosis to maybe find it? I said, maybe. That was the answer, maybe. It's a 50-50 shot. Okay, she comes in, and um, before the hypnosis, I asked her, how far does she remember? I mean, do you remember where you put them and all that, and what day it was, so on. Get as much detail as possible. Then in hypnosis, go to that point and try to go further and further and further. Well, we didn't discover where they were in the office. And I, and I think I recorded that session and let her listen to it at home. 
So a week or so later, she calls up on a Saturday and said, you're not going to believe this. I'm laying in bed, not doing anything. I was awake, just, just laying in bed. It was Saturday morning. And all of a sudden, for no reason, I got up out of bed, went downstairs, went into the dining room, reached up into the hutch. And way in the back were, was all the jewelry, which was where she left it. So she didn't look there, apparently. But she couldn't remember that area either. And as long as somebody didn't steal the jewelry, as long as it didn't fall off the shelf where she put it, that information theoretically is in our minds. Sure, yeah. Um, and sometimes we can get to it. Sometimes we can't. It's not 100%. So that was nice. When she found her money, $30,000 worth of jewelry, she was thrilled. It doesn't work all the time. So I don't want to make hypnosis sound like it's a cure-all because it's not. But, it, you know, I'll interject this real quick. Some people go into surgery with no anesthesia. To me, that's, wow, how powerful is that? No anesthesia. Get not, I can't do that. I don't think I can, but some people can get really deep where they can do that. Yeah, actually, I read, um, there was an article in the Washington Post um, not all that long ago, which was uh, about uh, hypnosurgery. And they were using it in, um, in a surgery to remove a cancerous tumor. And I thought, wow, that is wonderful. Actually, the application of hypnosis, and that really shows the power of the mind and the power of consciousness. One of the reasons that I love hypnosis is because it, it, uh, it demonstrates something that is irrefutable. I mean, it's able to be, it's, it's replicatable. You could do it over and over again, and you can see with different people the same kinds of powerful effects, that th things that are possible with the uh, hypnosis and the mind. I think that, um, you, you know, you told me something, uh, you shared with me a story about the, the kinds of mind-body, what I would call psychoneuroimmunological changes that are possible when you uh, told me about the fact that you were able to help someone eliminate warts. Now, what, what actually happened there? That's a great story, too. And up in New England here, we call them warts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so this, this is a pharmacist. A, man, a pharmacist in, my, in the town where my office is calls up said, my daughter is like 10 years old. She has warts on her arms, hands, and legs. And the dermatologist suggested we try hypnosis because they, they tried every medication over the counter and prescription, nothing worked. Can you use hypnosis for warts? warts? I don't know. Let's try it. So she came in. This is all documented. And really, it's uh, mind-blowing in my mind. <laughs> she came in six visits. And every time she came in, a few of them disappeared. And, and a couple things we did. And we did, when I say we, my dad, Jerry Valley, I think did the first session and I did the following five. We made her feel good. And basically, as a hypnotherapist, that's all of our jobs, no matter what anybody's coming in for, to make the client feel good about themselves. Right. When they feel good about themselves, they can do anything. When you don't feel good about yourself, sometimes you can't tie your own shoes. So I made her feel good. Touched her hands. You know, they're not contagious. I Because uh, the kids were teasing her. So I made her feel good. Built up her confidence. Told her to visualize her skin nice and smooth like a young girl. And imagine in your mind 
your mind releasing these natural chemicals that we all have in like a Pac-Man. Remember Pac-Man? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Like Pac-Man would eat up these things. So I made a recording for her. And that's something I've always done with my clients, make a recording. Hypnosis needs reinforcement. And every time she came in, a few disappeared. And by the sixth visit, which was about a month and a half since the first one, they were all gone. Now, when you're, oh my God. When you, uh, when you make the recording, you give the recording to them. Is that right? Yes. And then they go home with the recording and you, you ask them to, to listen to the recording between sessions? Yes, I ask them to listen to it every night as they fall asleep for 21 nights. For 21 nights. And now, what, how often? You said six sessions. Are they coming in to see you more than once a week, once a week? How often? That was about once a week or so. So about six weeks, and with a, in, in addition to a recording, and how long had she had these uh, warts, do you know? I don't remember. It was a while ago. But the reason for listening to the recording is two things. Hypnosis has to be reinforced, or it can wear off. So there's a couple ways to reinforce. Go for another session. Learn self-hypnosis, which I teach my clients. They have that forever. Or, and listen to a recording, which we just talked about. You want to listen to the recording in bed on the way to sleep because here's awake and here's asleep. All on the way to sleep, that's hypnosis. So get into bed, hit play. Why 21 nights? You know why? Uh, uh, tell me why. Okay, I will. Since you asked. <laughs> it's good to laugh. If you do something every day for 21 days, it becomes automatic. It becomes a habit. It's true. Try it. Do something every day for 21 days. Most likely it becomes anchored or, or automatic. It becomes a habit. So, you know, it disappeared. You know, the warts disappeared. I think, if I remember right, her brother came in a few years later with warts. And we did not have those that success. So I'm being up, for, up front with everybody. It's not 100%. And I tell clients that, and they'll ask you that when they call up. Is this guaranteed? Is it, is it, will it work? And I, I tell them I can't guarantee it because I, I can only guarantee my, all my efforts will be given. And um, if you do what I ask you to do, it works. And it works if you want it to work, sir or ma'am. That's the deal. Do you want to be in the successful percentage or do you want to be in the failure? It works if you want it to work. And so that's why I also ask the client when they want to come in for personal improvement, why do you want to stop smoking? And you have a good reason. Not that my husband's on my back. Right. My doctor says I have to. Well, do you want to? Not really. Stay home then. <laughs> You, you, they have, you know, if they, I don't want people coming in anymore that want me to wave the magic wand. And that's great if they have that belief that I, I have those powers. And we do have techniques that we use. That's what we have, not powers. Um, but if they want, they want to come in and say, go ahead, see what you can do. Not good. Well, that doesn't that in a sense that when someone comes in with that kind of uh, fix me attitude or the prove it to me attitude. It, it creates a dynamic where either the person sees themselves as kind of a victim or powerless, or that person is uh, in a space of stubborn resistance and that kind of thing, which is um, 
I think most people get the idea that if you want to heal, you've got to want you want to want to heal instead of right. saying, I'm going to take the attitude of remaining in this stuck state, this negative, unresourceful place. Uh, and then I want you to try to overwhelm me. It's uh, you know, it's not a it's not a professional wrestling match. It's exactly. I don't, we don't want a wrestling match. Hypnosis and hypnotherapy. You know, years ago at Valley Hypnosis, that's my clinical office which my father started 45 years ago. He wanted to, he's very generous and wanted to offer a money back guarantee. Back then we were advertising in newspapers and we put it in the ad. Money back guarantee, guaranteed, satisfaction guaranteed. So we had people call up and and it brought people in. We had people that were sincere. We also had people that were, like I said, Go ahead, see what you can do. They had nothing to lose. So we don't, we can't guarantee, and I don't guarantee my work. I guarantee that I'm going to give you 100%. That's it. Can't, can't do a money back guarantee. Um, so if the client is sincere, they'll, they'll make their change. And you have to be, you have to be confident too. Yeah, it seems to me that uh, if you take a look at the landscape of methods and uh, services out there, there aren't a lot that give a hundred percent guarantee. And there really is, in my opinion, there it, it means if you want, it's like if you go to the gym. There's no guarantee that if you, I mean, if you don't show up at the gym and do the work, you're not going to magically wake up with muscles. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> and and you, when you go to your doctor and they give you medication, there's no guarantee it's going to work. They don't know if you're going to take it. They don't know 100%. And same thing with surgery. So the doctors can't guarantee, but, uh, you know, uh, we took that down years ago. It just attracted the wrong type of client too much. Now, are there some other stories? You know, one of those things that was in the news for and in, in, in film – it has been in film quite a bit is the application of hypnosis to uh, I guess what repressed memories, things like that. These movies with the, that uh, explore the possibility of uh, uh, extraterrestrial contact and the UFO abduction and those kinds of things. Have you ever had a, uh, a client come in to talk to you about the, that sort of thing? I thought you were going to ask if I've ever been abducted. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Not that I know of. Um, yes, I have. And there was some, something that just, uh, escaped my mind. I was going to mention, um, all right, well, let me tell you about this. Um, you know, you meet all sorts of interesting people and stories and it's wonderful when you help people. Um, one time I had a, a man and a wife, husband and wife come in and they both agreed that the story I'm about to tell you happened. He really, she wanted to find out why or what happened. He really didn't care. Okay, so they both came in and he was present for all the sessions. I hypnotized the woman, not the man. She said that they were driving. He was driving. They got onto the highway in New Hampshire. And 20 minutes, as soon as they got on the highway, 20 minutes of their life was missing. And when they remember, they were on the other side of the highway going north about another exit north bear with me with the wind 
she believed that they may have been abducted or had some kind of UFO encounter. So they're going one way, and then 20 minutes later, they're headed in another direction? Yes. No, no recollection of the, the, the passing time? No recollection, no, no markings on their body. They both say they were not under the influence of drugs or alcohol. Um, I said, okay, come on in. Let's see what we can do. So, I, you know, we tried to I hypnotize it several times to go back to that time and see if we can go a little bit further and see what happened. It was not that successful. And in the last session she came in, I uh, was talking to her while she's in hypnosis and gave her a pad of paper and a pen and just told her to start drawing while we're talking. And she was scribbling some things. And then at the end of the session, she was emerged from hypnosis and looked at what the, her notes and said, oh, wow. She goes, I wonder if that's a, a, a map or, or the area where I was in. And, th and that was the last I saw of that. Um, so it wasn't, it's not, a, I mean, the topic was real interesting. The results, I wish I had more exciting results for you. Right. Um, but then if you want to get into that, there's a, a famous book called uh, Interrupted Journeys. And it's a story of Betty, Betty and Barney Hill, also from New Hampshire, Exeter, New Hampshire, I believe. They were, they claim they were both abducted. And I believe they went to Boston to a hypnotist to uh, find out what happened. And there's a whole book on that, Interrupted Journeys, or Journey. I remember when I was young, when that was made into a film with uh, James Earl Jones. That was wow. really interesting to me, yeah. And, uh, now I remember what escaped my mind. Another movie with hypnosis with Stir of Echoes. It's older. With Kevin Bacon. And they're all sitting around a house party. And he gets hypnotized and goes into this. He starts getting these, these scenes flashing by. And to make the story short, he ends up solving this mystery, a murder mystery. Um you got to look at it. It's a great movie. You're on the edge of your seat. Stir of echoes. Um, Kevin Bacon? Is, is that who's in it? Yep. Kevin Bacon. Good film. Um, so stay, uh, clinical hypnosis has been good, uh, rewarding. It's, it, it, it's a little frustrating when clients do not reach their goals. They don't lose weight. They don't stop smoking. And you do everything you can to help them. So that, that does happen. I'm not 100%. And I don't. Anybody that says they're 100%, I would run the other way. Um, but it's very rewarding when somebody comes in and they say they stopped alcohol or they stopped drinking, uh, excuse me, smoking, um, or, or they stopped biting their nails or they passed their exam. I mean, I had a man come in who failed the bar exam five times. And he was in his 50s working in a law office, but not to full capacity. So what happens after five times of failing? You develop expectation. He's like, how the hell can I pass? I keep failing. So I had to change that attitude around. You can pass, sir. And I built up his confidence, and he passed after three sessions of hypnosis, took the bar exam, and <clears throat> became a lawyer. Um, you have to be confident with your people. They're, co they're coming in, you know, iffy. You know, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can stop. I've been smoking for 40 years. Yes, you can stop. Yes, you can lose weight. Let's work on it together.
Um, so it's rewarding. And, and those, those are the, some of the unique stories I've had in the office. Um, and I was fortunate enough to, to have my father because when he started, I can talk about this when we get into stage hypnosis, if you want, he didn't have any, there were no book, books. I mean, there was one book, Warren McGill's book, Encyclopedia of Stage Hypnotism. There were no courses. There were no videos. So my father read a book and then went around with his friend during the week and offering to do free shows in bar rooms. That's boot camp, Robert. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Doing, so doing I had the opportunity to shows in, have, in bars. My father did the bars. I didn't wow. do that. But yeah, he started ground level. You know, and you know, that's great, great boot camp. You can do those shows, you can do any kind of show. When I came along, my I didn't have to go through that because I had my dad to train me and I went with him a couple times and I started doing my own shows. So I didn't have to, you know, barroom shows are great. I'm not putting them down at all. Uh but I didn't have to go through that route. So Ormond, when I met Ormond, um he was at the, the stage hypnosis seminar, but he was also one of the, I guess, one of the instructors at the institute where I got trained. Okay. Was, now, he's no longer alive, but when I met him, he was, I don't know how old he was. He, was, he might have been in his 80s. Probably, yeah. He lived about 92, maybe. How old? He was from if he 92, were, maybe. How old would he be if he were alive today? Well, he died when he was 92, and I don't know how many years ago, probably 100. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he was from Palo Alto. Let me just stop this. Uh, Palo Alto, California. And he was known as the Dean of American Hypnotists. And he traveled the world. He performed in the Orient and, and Canada and all over the place, Europe. And he was also a magician, too. So he very often would open his hypnosis show with magic. Um, he was a great guy. He was a gentleman and a gentleman, if you remember. Everybody loved to hug him. And he would share. He, you know, he would tell you anything you wanted to know about hypnosis. Really nice guy. And my dad teamed up with him, and they started the Ultimate Stage Hypnosis Seminar. And uh, we taught hundreds and hundreds of people. And some of them have gone big guns onto cruise ships and television. And... Uh, and then some people don't do anything with the training. Anywhere in between, we have the the, uh, the range. Um, well, when I met Orman, I'd already heard about him, and uh, he was he was he was elderly, but he was still quite competent and adept. Oh. And I remember um, they brought us in a room to watch a demonstration. He sat down in front of a young woman. They were face to face, and I. I'd never seen this before. He gently placed his hands uh, outside her hands. He asked her to put her hands on her thighs. And so it was that her hands were sort of upright. The palms were facing one another thigh to thigh. And he asked her to do that. She did. And he placed his hands just on the outside of her hands and somehow touched his thumbs to her thumbs. And within uh, a few minutes, without doing much of anything at all, I watched her go under. Her head, wow. her head just sort of slumped down and to the right, and she was out. She was in a very deep hypnotic state. And was great. 
I remember watching that and I was still a bit of a skeptic. I was still, <laughs> I was still in this place of, well, maybe this is, and this might sound funny. Maybe this is, he's making a suggestion and she's just sort of playing along kind of thing that after that happened, he brought her back and um, I went over and talked to her and I said, what happened? What was that like? Will you, do you mind telling me? And she said, uh, well, I remember him sitting down and I remember uh, him putting his hands, touching my hands and my thumbs. And she said, and then I just felt like, uh, well, I don't know. I felt really relaxed and I just felt like, uh, and I went to sleep. And then she <laughs> said, and then I was able to see uh, myself and I was looking down at myself wow. from above and to my right. And I thought, wow, what a remarkable person. I mean, he's just so gifted. And he was, he was really cool. He, um, he did some crazy things, you know. Like, for instance, I think in Canada, he or somewhere, he had a show at night at a theater. Downtown, wherever city this was, in a window front, storefront, he had a woman hypnotized laying on a bed all day long. So people would walk where, by and they'd say, stage hypnosis. And then at five o'clock or six o'clock, the ambulance would come and wheel that woman into the ambulance, drive her to the theater, and then wheel her out on stage. And then really? the woman would, yeah, a woman would start the show. Wow. He did the, the blindfold driving the car while he was blindfolded with the silver. He did some amazing things. <laughs> so did, now that was that... Now, do you consider that magic, hypnosis? I mean, what, what do you... That, that's magic. I mean, the blindfold stuff. Sure. Yeah, those are magic tricks. Um, yeah, he did. He, uh, he was great. He was great. And people loved him. And I, I'm glad I had the opportunity to work with him and learn from him and train people with him. And my dad was good friends with him. So, woman's passed on. My dad is now uh, 84. He's going to be 85 in July. Um, and he's retired from the business. He did shows uh, up until last August, I think. Maybe in the fall we did one together. Um, but he's been retired. But he's alive and doing well, enjoying it. Really nice guy. What, uh, what sorts of things have you, uh, during a stage hypnosis show, what's possible in a stage hypnosis show? They are so much fun, as I mentioned. You never know what's going to happen in the show. Um, okay. I just want to take a quick look at my notes there. You never know what's going to happen. And the venues are endless where you can perform a show. You might not, people might not think of all these ideas, but I've performed at a lot of fairs throughout the U S and Canada. Um, weddings, really a wedding. I've done weddings at right at the reception, a shorter show, but they love it. Um, a lot of high schools, universities, fundraisers, corporate and high school and college, um, all sorts of venues, small groups, large groups. My, when I first started, thinking back, when, my, for when I first did my own show, I was ready to go on my own. My father would give me these smaller shows that he would turn down. I remember going to a, a house party with 12 people there, and I did a show. I don't know, maybe four or five volunteered, but I did a show. And thinking back, proud of myself for doing that. 
Yeah. Good practice. Um, so I've traveled all over the place. I've performed in the U.S., Canada, England, Iceland, and Grand Cayman Islands. Um, so you have the opportunity to travel if you want. Or you can stay locally and do shows. Um, I don't know if that answered your question, but, you know, a lot of crazy things happening on stage. You know, I've fallen off the stage myself. You know, the stairs collapsed. I fell down on my ass and nobody came up. <laughs> I got up and I said, I'm OK, folks. Um, my, your father wrote a book that I got before I started doing stage hypnosis. It's uh, Inside Secrets of Stage Hypnotism. And that book is it's not a very big book, but it is chock-a-block with ideas and hypnotic routines it's really a fantastic book, and it was the thing for me when I read it that helped me to put together my first stage hypnosis show. And, you know, there are things in there, I think, like um, if I, I could share this with you. Um, sure. I've done a lot of studying in psychology and what's called shadow, psychological shadow, like the, the Jungian Carl Jung term. And he referred to shadow as the, the you that you don't know about and don't want to know about that part of us we don't want to know about. And that can be either good good or bad, so to speak, meaning uh, the parts of us that are engaged in uh, bad behaviors or thinking, that sort of thing that we repress, or the kinds of gifts and gold that we possess. And I remember um, I was with my wife at the time, and she is a fanta fantastic hypnotic subject. And we did this routine, this stage routine, which is to forget a number between one and 10 and then count from one to 10. And she forgot the number six. I made the suggestion, I told her beforehand, because she didn't know what, what psychological shadow was. And I thought, well, what if I make the suggestion for you to forget the number six, count from one to 10, and then um, afterwards what I'll do is I'll bring you out of it, and then later on what I'll do is just uh, remove the suggestion entirely, and then you'll be able to re remember the entire experience um, there won't be any memory that's not there. It'll, your entire memory will be there. Well, what was really interesting is that she, uh, I did, made the suggestion while she was in the hypnotic state. She came out of it. I asked her if she could count from one to 10. And she sure enough went, sure, no problem. She even looked at me and responded mm -hmm. as if, what a ridiculous question. Of course I can count it. <laughs> it's the easiest thing in the world. And she proceeded to tick off on her hand, on her fingertips, one, two, three, four, five, seven, eight, nine, ten, and sat there looking at 11, uh, her 11th finger. And um, she then looked at me and she came back and she said, okay, wait a second. And she started, and this was what was really interesting to me, is the kind of creativity that I see sometimes happen in unexpected creativity in uh, hypnosis shows. She started counting from the opposite hand. She started with her right hand and counted to her left, and then she went to her left hand and started counting to her right. And she went one, two, three, four, five, seven, eight, nine, ten, <laughs> eleven. And then um, I said, "Well, what's wrong?" She said, oh, "Hold on, hold on, hold on." And no kidding, she started counting her toes, mm. and she did the same exact thing. And so. 
I said, okay, three, two, one. And she went back under and we removed the post-hypnotic suggestion and then uh, said, you'll remember the entire experience and you'll be able to share with me what that was like. But it, that really caused me to go into sort of a philosophical place about things like repression, suppression, denial, and the, the, how powerfully helpful hypnosis and hypnotherapy can be to uh, help us to regain access to these wonderful parts and abilities that we possess. Because I thought about it and I thought, well, if she had left, if I'd made no changes and, she, and that, that post-hypnotic suggestion hypothetically had stayed in place, um, let's say she drove to the grocery store and parked and she had to put change in the meter and the change ended up involving somehow six or 60 or some variation of that, she might've become confused or frustrated by it. If she'd gone in and gone shopping, she could have uh, gone shopping. And then if it been, had, she'd had to pay out, it could have, she could have experienced some frustration mm-hmm. around paying out with the, the with the with the number six involved does this make sense what i'm saying yeah I'm speaking, absolutely i'm speaking hypothetically but i think that realistically in our lives there are things that we have repressed suppressed or denied and hypnosis and hypnotherapy is a wonderful way to be able to regain access to those things have right. you when you do a stage hypnosis shows what sorts of things have you seen uh, people display what you might consider real gifts show up when you're making the suggestions? Well, you never know what hidden talent might come out. And on stage, the kind of talent that I see come out would be like people that sing. You know, you, we, sometimes we do a routine where we turn a person into their favorite, uh, their favorite actor or actress or singer or dancer, and they get up and they are phenomenal or they become an impersonator and it just comes out a dancing singing routine. That's, that's generally what we see on there. Um, musicians. Well, we don't, I don't have them play real, real instruments on stage, but usually singing or dancing or, or impersonating comes out. And these are who didn't, didn't really think of themselves that way or experience themselves that way. They might not. Right. Or, or, or that someone, you know, what's your favorite comedian, Eddie Murphy. All right, and then you turn him into Eddie Murphy, and he just remembers all the jokes that he's ever, he or she has ever heard, and they act and walk and talk and, and deliver just like Eddie Murphy. It's funny. Wow. But yeah. You never know what's going to happen on stage, and uh, it's funny, funny, funny stuff. Um, but you, getting back to what you said about maybe not removing the suggestion, I want everybody to understand that suggestions, if you don't, if you forget to remove a suggestion, like, you took away the last name or the number six, it wears off. Right, right. Suggestions could last up to 24 hours or so, or maybe more, but after that, it wears off. So if you, oh my God, I forgot to get rid of the number six, it'll come back to her. Right, yeah, it's, um, you said there needs to be reinforcement. And the point right. I was trying to make earlier is that there are, there are beliefs that we take, take on that are less than resourceful beliefs. Mm-hmm. And that the, and what happens is we will tend to reaffirm those beliefs if we're identified with those beliefs, even if they might be negative or unresourceful beliefs. And so we kind of, in a sense, hypnotize ourselves, and we'll maintain certain beliefs in our belief systems or belief system structure. 
And what I see in hypnosis and hypnotherapy is the ability to be able to make changes in the in one's belief system and belief structure that I think is extremely powerful. Well, that's that's part of making a change. It's changing your beliefs, affecting your attitudes, affecting your actions, smoking or not smoking. You're right. So we want to help people change their attitude toward things, their beliefs. The man comes in, he's, he's going for the bar exam, but he failed three times. He thinks he can't do it. So you have to help him change his belief that he can pass. And, and, and it was stress before. Now, now if you go in, if you study, you're, you deserve to go in calm and relaxed, like, bring it on, baby. Bring it on. I'm ready. And it's an opportunity to show the state what you know about law, not what you don't know. I'm rambling about law again. <laughs> <laughs> so now, in addition to being a stage hypnotist and performer and a hypnotherapist, um, clinical hypnotist, you also uh, are a trainer. Yeah. So you train people and you work with an organization. It's the NGH. I'm a member of NGH. NGH is the National Guild of Hypnotists. It has the largest membership that I know of of any organization in the world and members in like 84 countries. It's huge. Um, So when I first took my training, clinical training, it was through an NGH instructor. I have since gone on to become an instructor. There are hundreds hundreds of instructors all over the world. So if you want to become a certified hypnotist, Call me, uh, seek out somebody that's qualified and become certified. Uh, go to the NGH. They're a great organization. I also teach stage hypnosis, too. I've carried on the tradition of Orman McGill and Jerry Valley, uh, keeping the ultimate stage hypnosis seminar going. And I still do groups. And lately, for the last couple of years, I've been doing private one-on-one trainings. It's a three-day training it can be done in your area or my area. We work that out. Uh, but three days of intensive training with me, one-on-one, and you learn all about stage hypnosis. So, yeah, I do a lot of things. What are just a few of the things that, uh, you know, if I'm interested in showing up, what are a few of the things that, you'll, that you will learn about, that a student will learn about in their training that we haven't already covered? That you haven't what? That perhaps we haven't already covered. What, what are a few things that you really get into? During the training, Can you get stage hypnosis. Yeah, well, we cover a, a to Z. It's just like everything that you've learned. Um, we cover uh, introductions, your introduction, people introducing you. Your when you come out and do your pre-talk, your induction, the routines, putting people into hypnosis, removing them from hypnosis, how to handle the audience, uh, sound systems, uh, voice control, music and sound effects, uh, back of the room sales just to name a few. Uh, Yeah. And then if you come to me, my area, the Boston area, if it's possible, we, we try to do the training where I have a show or two. And if you're ready by the third day, um, it's possible you can come out and do part of the show like I did with Jerry Valley. So that's nice too, but I've trained people that have gone on to do this and it's a great training. It's um, awesome. And you mentioned Jerry Valley's book. I've, I've been selling that a lot lately. Contact me, Inside Secrets of Stage Hypnotism. It's a nuts and bolts book. It's no fluff. There are three 
of Jerry Valley shows in there, three different sets of routines. He covers the in- induction, covers it all. Excuse me. Covers it all. It's a great book. I think it's $30, somewhere around there. Uh, it's an awesome book. Awesome, awesome book. Not just because it's my dad's, though. <laughs> no, it is a good book. You mentioned it. It is It is a really good book. It, in fact, it's, um, like I said, it's not a really big book, but it's just filled page after page. There's no fluff in the book. It's right. just a lot of exceptionally good material. It's straight and to the point, and it sort of demystifies the uh, the art and science of uh, stage hypnosis. It's, it's really a, an excellent book. So Thanks. I, I'm working on mine as well. As are you? We, yes, sir. Do you have a title for it already? Or are you? No, I have a handful of titles. Um, I'd have to get go to another room. I have a hand, yeah, just a handful of titles. I haven't decided yet, but it's on stage hypnotism. Do you have a and do you anticipate when you're going to be releasing your book? Do you know? No, I mean up until the, I st- I got back into it this year. I created the outline probably two years ago, and then put it put it aside. So if I get my uh, my ass in gear. If I get my ass in gear, um, I don't know, a couple months. couple months. Oh, okay. I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, now, there are going to be some people, I imagine, who want to know more about you and how they can get in touch with you, or perhaps they might want to contact you about, uh, well, it might be hypnotherapy, stage hypnosis, learning more, NGH, could be any one of those things, or uh, you know, your book, or who knows. If someone wants to find you, what are the different places that they can find you on the web or elsewhere? They can reach out to me anytime, even if it's just a question. Uh, Two easy ways to reach me are phone number. My direct number is 603-490-5106. 603-490-5106. Or you go to my website, tommyv.com. T-O-M-M-Y-V-E-E dot com. Victor Edward Edwards. So it's TommyV.com. That's my website. My email is there. My phone number is there also. Uh, that's the best way. Call me up or shoot me an email and I'll get back to you right away. Very good. Tommy V, thank you so much ah, for being here today. Thank um, you. I am Robert Barham. This is the Robert Barham Show, American Dream Time. And we've been talking today at length with Tommy V about hypnosis, hypnotherapy, and we will definitely continue this conversation in the future. One of my favorite topics. Again, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Take care. We'll talk to you again soon. Peace out.